0: Luke 24, Luke 24, Luke 24, I'm going to do something a little different than what is my normal, you know, they tell me I'm not normal anyway, right Mandy, um, but my normal message, i looking at some prophecies. I want to look at Luke 24. I want to start there at verse 13. It says, And behold, two of them went that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together all these things that which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Their eyes were holding that they should not know him. He said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk, and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, this today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said unto he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So... They titled this, we're going to put a title for it, Jesus Declares the Scriptures Concerning Himself. And what we're going to do is look at the scriptures concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Matthew 1, 22 and 23, 23, it says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Uh, <clears throat> In Matthew twenty six, verses fifty one to fifty four, Matthew twenty six, fifty-one through fifty-four, it says, And behold one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take to the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But now, how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? You know, the phrase might be fulfilled is used 16 times in Matthew. And there are variations. That's just the exact wording might be fulfilled. That alone is used 16 times. And there are other variations of that phrase. So I, don't, I didn't really check the how many times. But, but what I want to look at this, this afternoon is the scriptures concerning himself. And, and I want to end with this. That you know, Jesus said uh, <clears throat> in Luke 23, 22, 37. Luke 22, 37. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And what he's saying there is, what that means is, the things that are written concerning Christ will be fulfilled. All of them. Now, those that are supposed to know, and I guess I'm supposed to know, but I didn't know this. Uh, I just, you know, I learn stuff from other people too. But anyway, they say there are over 2,500 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Christ. 2,500. And probably yet, maybe 500 yet to be fulfilled. So when he says these things must have an end, in other words, they must be accomplished. They will be brought to pass. And so this afternoon we to look at some scriptures concerning himself almost concerning his birth, some other things in the Old testament scriptures and this is just really a glimpse because there are so many there are so many and the, the 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 chances you know I mean you'd be as, as Not that you should, but you'd be as, have probably as great a chance of winning the lottery as these actually being fulfilled. In many cases. Um, You know, again, scientists have done things, you know, the chance of that actually happening is one in 10 to the 13th power. You know, so, um, but they did come to pass. So let's pray and then we'll we'll look at some of these. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time your word. Thank you for the scriptures. And Father, as we consider this this afternoon, help us understand that what this demonstrates to us is that we can have confidence in the word of the living God. That it is true. That what you have said will come to pass. And So Father, help us to heed the instruction to give more earnest heed to that which we have heard. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, some scriptures concerning his birth. Genesis 3.15, most of us are familiar with this passage. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, the fulfillment of that is in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So, again, the idea of uh, between her seed, and I mentioned this this morning, that, you know, that that phrase her seed is only used twice in the scriptures, and it's referring to Jesus at both times. So, uh, and, of course, Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the fullness was time was come, God sent forth his Son. And here's, it's not the exact wording, but, again, they reference that, made of a woman made of a woman, made under the law. Now, again, the interesting phrase, is her seed, is only found in Revelation chapter 12, I think it's verse 8. Over a you know, hundred times, the seeds or seeds is used, but that always refers to men, because the seed is with the man. But uh, the reason, of course, is Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost, a miracle of God, uh, not the seed of a man. Therefore, he didn't inherit man's sin nature. So, you know, in the prophecies, prophecies concerning his birth, nothing is ever mentioned concerning a father, just a mother, just a mother. And, of course, it happened just like he said. Uh, for example, Isaiah forty-nine-one says, Listen, to O isles unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the womb. You know, in the genealogies, do you have normally women listed? No. There's only a few. And and there's extenuating circumstances and purpose for those few that are. Uh, most of those are Gentiles. Uh, that found the grace of God, Rahab, Bathsheba, Um, is that the only two? I think there's another one, but anyway, anyway, no, but here it says, the Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Isaiah 49, 5 again, and now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Psalm 22, which is a messianic, or a psalm concerning the Messiah, verse nine says, "But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou dost make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. And so again, the birth of Christ it refers to as the seed of the woman, or from the womb. From the womb—that's that's, that's the common terminology used in the Bible—because he did not have an earthly father, and so you know. We, of course, this prophecy is Genesis fifty three fifteen, three fifteen, is the beginning of the Bible. You know, so you're looking thousands of years old. Uh, there's a prophecy that he would be of the line of David. Go to Second Samuel chapter seven. Second Samuel chapter seven, <clears throat> and like I say, I I didn't. You know, I was going through a book I had concerning this stuff, and there are so many I I, I picked and chose. So <laughs> what I did because you know uh, it would take we'd be here years looking at all the prophecies concerning Christ. Second Samuel chapter seven, in verse eight, says, "Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel." So this is addressed to David. Verse 13. Verse 11, I'm sorry. And as since the time that I command the judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all my, thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. In other words, he's going to make of David a kingdom, a dynasty. That's kind of the idea there. The dynasty. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of the loins, And I will establish his kingdom. Now, that's a reference to Solomon. Now, look at verse 13. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Now, we're going beyond Solomon. His kingdom forever. Obviously, that's not just referring to Solomon. And I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If you commit iniquity, now this is referring to Solomon. Solomon. I will chasten him with a rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men, which God did chasten Solomon. But, but verse 13 says, <coughs> I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Forever. And, and so this is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be a son of David. If you look at the genealogies in Matthew, both, uh, uh, even though Joseph was not his father, His genealogy does go through the line of David. And Mary's goes through the line of David also, but through a different son in the line of David. So so from both sides, he was of the line of David, uh, you know, as far as humanly speaking. And we see the fulfillment of this in Luke 3, Luke uh, uh, 3, 23. Luke 3.23 And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age as being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which is the son of Heli. Now Heli was believed to be the, the father of Mary not really the father of Joseph. So this is really Mary's genealogy. If you drop down to verse uh, 31 it says, which was the son of Mila, which is the son of Mennon which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Son of David. And then look also at Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which is made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. It's made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. You know, also in the book of Acts, and, um, um, Well, in Acts chapter 13 here, um, Paul is at Antioch, and uh, verse 22, it says, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised up unto, it, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. So Paul is declaring to those at Antioch that this Jesus is a descendant of David, whom God hath raised up. So this is a prophecy concerning Jesus, that he would be of the line of David the king, and uh, he, his kingdom would be forever, um, speaking of the millennial reign. Okay, prophecy of the virgin birth. We're familiar with these: Isaiah fourteen or Isaiah seven fourteen, um, <clears throat> Isaiah seven fourteen. Let's read verse 13 also. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye a weary God also? my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course, Isaiah 9, 6 tells us, a, unto us a child is born, and the son is given. Uh, also refers to the virgin birth. But... of. Uh, we find fulfillment of this in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 35, where the Bible says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So there's another reference to the fulfillment of the, of the line of David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And, of course, Matthew one eighteen refers to the virgin birth. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost, verse 18 tells us. And then verse 23, again, quotes Isaiah 7.14. So that's a prophecy concerning concerning his birth. There is a prophecy concerning the place of his birth. You know, every, I mean, details. These are not just, well, it'll cover the general idea, so we just make general statements to make sure we get it covered. No. It is precise. Details. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. <clears throat> find jonah it's the next book micah 5 2 says but thou bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in israel whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting and of course in matthew 2 1 it says when jesus was born in bethlehem born in bethlehem uh of Judea. In the days of Herod the king. There came wise men. Uh, Luke chapter 2. And you know. In Luke chapter 2. By the way. Neither Joseph. Nor Mary. Lived in Bethlehem. They had to travel there. Now. It doesn't. The Bible doesn't really tell us. That they knew about Micah 5.2. However. God is sovereign, right? We heard that in Sunday school this morning. God in his sovereignty directed Caesar to tax everyone. You know, I don't know that he needed God to direct, you know, I didn't, didn't know government leaders needed God to direct them to tax people, but, you know, God did direct, but he directed him, not only to tax people, to direct him to send them to their birthplace to pay their taxes. Therefore, Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem at this time to pay their taxes. And it was while they were there. Verse 6. Verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. They lived in Nazareth. Into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse, wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So God and his providence saw to it that they got to Bethlehem, and it was at that time that Jesus was born. There's also a prophecy we know from Matthew that Jesus went into Egypt. that Joseph and Mary took Jesus into Egypt. You know, at the time, around the time the wise men came. So this was sometime after his birth. It may have been, he may have been a couple years old already. You know, uh, we don't know for sure when the wise men came. They didn't come to the manger. Uh, they was in a house. It tells us that in Matthew chapter 2. Anyway, but there is a prophecy concerning that. Hosea eleven one says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him, and called my son... Out of Egypt. And in Matthew 2, verse 13 through 15, it says, When they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken Of the Lord by the prophet saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So, you know, and and that was a prophecy. uh, Well, the the Bethlehem one was the prophecy that the Pharisees and scribes overlooked. Uh, There's prophecies concerning his character, uh, concerning his holiness. In in Exodus fifteen verse eleven it says, "Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises?" Psalm two verse six uh, it says, "Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion." And in Acts chapter four and verse twenty seven, uh, the Bible they, the pro, the um, disciples the apostles said, "For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed." Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. And so, you know, he's referred to as a holy, holy one. Revelation 3, 7 says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key to David, he that openeth, no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man o- openeth. And of course, in John 8:46, Jesus said to the Pharisees, Which of you convince me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? So, you know, there were prophecies concerning His holiness, which were fulfilled in the New Testament. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, And He was made sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. 1 John 3.5 In Him is no sin. Is no sin. Uh, there was a prophecy concerning his righteousness that he would be righteous. Uh, Isaiah fifty three eleven. Uh, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. <coughs> uh, in uh, uh, Isaiah fifty four verse seventeen says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. He's the righteous one. And of course, in Romans, we we have fulfillment in this in many places. In Romans chapter (coughs) 3, excuse me, Romans chapter 3, and verse 25 and 26. Bible says, whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past for the forbearance of God to declare I say at this time his righteousness to me just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 6 through 9 says, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten of the world, he saith, that all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the sun, he saith, thy throne, our God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness, and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. And, and, You know, again, and Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 24. 1 Peter 2, 21 to 24. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree... That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And then 1 John 2 and verse 29. 1 John 2 and verse 29. Says, If ye know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So, there were prophecies concerning his righteousness. You know, we don't often think about prophecies concerning his righteousness. But, but there's prophecies concerning every aspect of the, old, of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. There are prophecies concerning his miracles. Uh, in, in Isaiah 35, 4. Say to them that are of fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, and he will come save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the land lame, lame man meet, leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And we have the fulfillment of that, of course, written throughout the Gospels. But one thing that stands out is Matthew chapter 11. John, who's in prison, John the Baptist, sends to Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, he sends some of his disciples, and and in verse 2, it says this, Now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? You know, even John got discouraged and wondered. Jesus answered, and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Oh, Jesus performed all the miracles in the New Testament that were prophesied in the Old Testament. There was the prophecy of a forerunner. Of course, that being John the Baptist. Um... Um, Malachi, chapter 4, and verses 5 and 6 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Um, and, and of course, you know, look at Matthew. Let's start in Matthew, chapter 3. I want, I want to look at This is... This is spoken of in all four gospels. Matthew three, verses one through three. Said that in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judah, and saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And I thought I had I, I'm supposed to have wrote down here the prophecy from Isaiah, but I got a repeat of the verses I just quoted to you, read to you before, but anyway, this was prophesied in Isaiah and in Malachi, and that, that's made reference of it here. Uh, Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. <clears throat> the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as is written in the prophets: Behold, I send my messenger before thy face to so prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness: Prepare ye the way of the Lord make his paths straight. And John did baptize the widows and preached the baptism of repentance for the mission of sins. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ began with John. That's the beginning of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It began with John. And uh, he was the first New Testament gospel preacher. Uh, Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> Again, this is in every, every gospel John is written of and, of course, Jesus said, not a greater man born of woman than John. Luke 1, 13. Uh, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. He shall be great in sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John's purpose was to make ready, to prepare a people for the Lord. And he prepared the, those who would be, make up the church, first church. And then John, uh, John's gospel, John has written much about him in the first chapter particularly. But in verse 23 of John 1, he said, John himself said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet, saith the prophet Isaiah. Um, so, you know, there's prophesied concerning uh, a forerunner, that would be John the Baptist. There were many prophecies concerning his death. Uh, An and interesting thing is, uh, some 400 years, go to Psalm 22. But some 400 years before crucifixion was invented, Jesus' death was described that only a crucifixion could fulfill it. So 400 years, the Romans invented crucifixion, if I understand correctly. So some 400 years before crucifixion was invented as a a means of putting people to death, the prophet David, David prophesying, describes Jesus' death in such a way that only a crucifixion could do could meet those things. Uh, look at uh, Psalm 22, and um, let's see. Let's 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 look at verse. Start at verse 13. They gaped upon me with their mouth as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my mouth. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me unto the dust of death. For the dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, and they pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. So just the first few verses we've read there in Psalm 22, you know, there's many things that happen during the crucifixion that, that speaks about it. But But the two that I want to uh, draw your attention to in particular are, I'm poured out like water, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. Now, from what I've read, when they, you know, they lay the, the cross on the ground and nail you to it, then they pick it up and drop it in the hole. So, if you're extended like this, fast into something, and that thing is dropped, and then with a sudden, thop. Your bones are pulled out of joint. Um, they, and... Um, they all. He also said that that he would be pierced, and um, one of these verses here says, "Not a bone in him was broken." Huh? Seventeen? Am I telling? But no. Anyway. I think it's in Psalm 22 where it says not a bone in him be broken. But but uh, <clears throat> uh, verse 16 says, For dogs have come past me, and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Of course, that's a crucifixion. Uh, they parted my garments. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, so, you know, Zechariah 12... Uh, well, I know where it is. Psalm 34 verse 20. Psalm 34 verse 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Now we know that from the New Testament account that the time of the crucifixion was a high sabbath and they didn't want them the Jews didn't want them hanging on the crosses on the Sabbath day. Therefore they asked the Pilot to have their legs broken so that they would hasten the death, because you know they, 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 they had a little stand, a little thing on it that you could put your feet on when you're hanging there, so you could push yourself up to get a breath, you know, and otherwise you suffocate very quickly. So it was, a, it was created to extend you know that little step was created to extend the suffering, so you could live longer hanging there. So, it wasn't helpful. It was just to extend the suffering. Well, so they wanted their legs broken to hasten the death. And so they came, and they broke the legs of the first. Jesus was in the middle, but he's already dead. So they didn't break his legs. Instead, they pierced his side. And there came out blood and water. Of course, uh, Psalm 22 tells us that they would pierce his side. Here, Psalm 34 tells us not a bone in him would be broken. Again, these were written 400 years before uh, the the crucifixion. It was even invented. Uh, Zechariah 12 and verse 10 also has something to say concerning his uh, death. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. It says, And I will pour upon the house of David Upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So, this is not only a prophecy about the fact that he was pierced, but it's also a prophecy about his return and Israel accepting their Messiah. Uh, this will be at the end of the tribulation period. So, um,. Again, we see the fulfillment of all this, and of course, these things are in the Gospels, John 19 uh, verse 31 to 37, John 19 verse 31 to 37 <clears throat> it says the Jews therefore, because it was a preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, we saw it that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away, it came the soldiers to break the legs of the first and the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers of the spear pierced his side and forthwith there came out water and blood. And he that saw it bear record and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true that ye might believe. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Uh, there's prophecy concerning his garments. Psalm 22, 18, they parted my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. You know, again, what you see here, something else that you see here, and this is just a side note, is you see the sovereignty of God overseeing the inspiration of his word, directing men what to write, that though it's written over a period of of several thousand years, there are no contradictions but fulfillment of details. Details. Uh, Luke 22, 37 says, For a say unto you that it is written, that that is written must yet, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 27, 35 says, They parted my garments among them, cast lots upon my vesture. Fulfillment. And, and like I said at the beginning, Luke 22, 23 Says, for I say unto you, that this that is, a must, that is written must yet be accomplished in me. He was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. You know, as Jesus told the disciples, Look, this must be accomplished. That which is written of me must be accomplished. You know, God is a holy God. God cannot lie. Therefore, whatever He has said must be accomplished. It will have an end. And there are... you know, Are there yet things concerning Him that we should be concerned about? Think about it. Look at John chapter 12. I'll just give you a few. John chapter 12. There are some things about Christ that you and I need to be concerned about. Because... What has been written concerning him concerns us. It concerns us. John 12, verse 47. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. However, look at verse 12, 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, to the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself. But the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting, whatsoever I speak. Therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Now, when you were a kid, do you ever ever have your mother tell you something? And you were like, oh, yeah, it's mom. Then mom says, you better do it or I'm going to tell your dad. Now That was a little more serious in my part. No, that was a lot more serious. See, I knew, I knew if mom told me something and I didn't do it, there was a dad to deal with. See, some people think, oh, Jesus is just a man. No. Jesus and the Father are one. And to reject the words of Jesus is to reject the words of God. He didn't even speak them of himself. And he said, the word that I have spoken... You know, the Jews put put a lot of stock. Oh, they had great fear and reverence for God... They just didn't want anything to do with this Jesus guy. That's how they saw him. Just as a man. But Jesus is telling him, look, I haven't spoken of myself. These words are of the Father. And you better give heed to them. Because they're going to judge you at the last day. We're going to have to stand before the judgment. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 and verse 8, you know, this is taught throughout the New Testament. And this is just, again, a little tidbit. It's 2 Timothy 4. I say 1 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Verse 8. Henceforth was laid up for me a crown of righteousness for the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing so so the idea here is look whether you're saved or lost we're going to stand before God and give an account if we're saved we're going to give an account for our life serving him if we're lost we're going to be condemned for our unbelief and rebellion against him and sentenced to the lake of fire. Hebrews nine twenty seven says and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered up for the sins to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He he was only offered once. If you reject the offering of Christ, it's an eternity In hell. Revelation three, Revelation three, and and again, like I say, there's a lot of other verses I could look at, but Revelation three, and verse eighteen. Uh, I think it's what I wanted. Revelation two eighteen. Yeah, Revelation 2.18. And under the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Now, try and get a description of that. It, it, it's, it's trying, John's trying to describe, do you, you ever meet somebody who you felt like their eyes just pierced you? Just like they could see through you. Well, you know, this is the picture he, he, that he's, he's seeing. Eyes like unto the flame of fire, they're piercing, uh, they're discerning, and his feet are like unto fine brass. It speaks of judgment. Brass always speaks of judgment in the Bible. So he's a, he's a, a spirit of judgment. He, and, then, and he says, I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. And the last be more than the first. Notwithstanding, or however, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, teach and seduce my servants, commit fornication to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her in a great true relation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. What this is telling us is, look, the Lord is going to search every part of your life and your heart and the intents of your heart. He's going to judge accordingly. Are you playing with Jezebel world? Are you walking contrary to the Lord who loved you and gave himself for you by friendship with the world and its seduction? The Lord the Judge is coming to judge in righteousness. That's what this is telling us. The things concerning me must have an end. And we could look at 2 Corinthians 5, we could look at 1 Corinthians 3. We're all going to stand. If we're saved, we're all going to stand before the judgment of Christ. If we're not saved, we're going to stand at the great white throne judgment and be cast into hell. See, the things concerning me have an end, Jesus said. Everything that has been prophesied will be fulfilled to the most intricate detail. Just like many of those prophecies already have. And what that demonstrates to us is God has a track record of keeping His Word. There hasn't been anything yet that hasn't been accomplished that should have been. And those that are prophecies that are yet to be will be. But will you or are you prepared for his coming? For, I believe I can safely say, it is drawing nigh. I believe it's at the door. We're at the doors. We're drawing nigh. The Lord is coming. Are you prepared? For the things concerning me, Jesus said, have an end. They will be accomplished.